Oh, I'm seeing In the Heights on Friday. Ooh. I'm so excited. In Actually mo- in theaters. I know, in a movie theater. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's in Starberry Hills. I don't really know where that Strawberry is. Strawberry Hills. <laughs> yes, not in the not in Beatlesland, in White Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, apparently uh, VIP is opening. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Soon. I don't know how soon, but uh, I got that email saying like, hey, Ooh. are you going to join us? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they were really big in um, out at High Street. They have a huge, that one's probably really easy to fill up with like distance and stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, I'm just annoyed that I turned 19 and that I didn't get the chance to go into the VIP theater. Mm. Well, like I had a good couple months even before quarantine happened where I could have gone. Yeah. I guess. I, yeah, I went on my birthday, but I was also, I had to work at 4 a.m. So I had one margarita and then like <laughs> I just, like we, we saw a movie, then I went to bed, like I was going to go home. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, ridiculous hours. And then like, I think I'd gone since then, but like it was never the same. Like it was always just like I'm seeing a movie, but like with recliner seats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the best deal for recliner seats is Guilford, like the the theater. I know you're it's a long drive for you, but it's yeah. like Guilford um, Town Center. They have a really nice, um, really nice. Like it's just like every I think it's every theater they have recliner seats because it's not Cineplex. It's uh, Landmark Cinemas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, the ones that I've gone to in Victoria all have recliner seats. Is that Landmark? Uh, no. No. Oh, okay. You have one, you have one Cineplex Odeon, I think, and then, oh, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and then one <laughs> I remember that your I, way <laughs> I can yeah. remember you're away around the city when you go back. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be like deja vu all over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm 18 right out of high school. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was one that I went with to go see, or the last movie that I saw in theaters was at, I don't, I don't know if it's, it was a Cineplex because they had those magazines. That's what I know. Mm. And so we went to go see Knives Out, and that was the last movie that mm. I saw in theaters. Um, but then there's one across the street, and it's not Cineplex. And it's a weird one, and it has like a st- a spiral uh, incline all the way up. Mm. Is it like an independent theater, or is that a chain? I think it's independent. Okay. It's a really weird want- layout. In I've always wanted theater. to see a movie um, at, like the at the um, the Rio. That'd be cool, or like the Vogue. I saw, no, I saw, no, the Vogue is mostly for, I mean, we saw the drag show at Rogue. Sorry, yeah. the Vogue. <laughs> um, but it'd be cool to see at, like, <laughs> it'd be cool to see a uh, movie at, like, one of the Vancouver, like, fancy cinemas. Yeah, I think they it, do that with, uh, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Because mm, yeah, it, yeah. it helps if you have the, the, um, the stage there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm really excited to see a movie in the theater. <laughs> And yeah. not just in my room <laughs> with like the lights off and like maybe some snacks, but I don't know if I'll have snacks there if they'll have concession because you have to wear masks the whole time, I think, or at least most of the time. Mm. They probably will be in concession, but just yeah. like when you're not actively eating, please put your mask back on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, sure they want to make as much money as possible, so they'll definitely greasy, have that popcorn thing. Put going. your mask back on with your, po- with your greasy uh, popcorn fingers. <laughs> yeah. At least your mask will taste, or not taste like, it'll smell like popcorn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want to, like, 
smell popcorn the whole time, but maybe I, if I want to choose to smell popcorn. Well, that's a pretty good smell. It is. Oh, I'm, yeah. It'll be like, as soon as I walk in, it'll be like a nostalgic smell of popcorn. Yeah, I might just burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I um, I tried listening to In the Heights a couple weeks ago, just in preparation for the movie, and I was like, I got through one song. It wasn't even a sad song. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't listen to it right now. Like, <laughs> just the temptation and the knowing that I'm seeing it so soon. Yeah. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 27 of History in the Spotlight on Caroline or Change. Yay. Yes. Um. Yeah, so Carolina Change is uh, the 2004 Broadway show um, that is recently being remounted at, I think, Roundabout Theatre Company, or, I th- yeah, I think it's Roundabout. Um, uh, when Broadway returns, it'll be there. Um, yeah, so it was set against a tumultuous backdrop of the Kennedy assassination and the civil rights movement, Carolina Change uses fantasy and reality to explore a story about ordinary people facing extraordinary change. So, Annika, um, what did you research this week? So, I thought it would be too big of a, a topic to cover the entire civil rights movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I decided that I would just cover the United States in 1963. Mm. Um, because 1963, like, it really sticks out to me as a really important year. Yeah, like 1865 uh, and 1963. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like the emancipation <laughs> and the civil rights yeah, movement yeah, yeah. is like I'm the... Just not, I'm not like really like knowledgeable of American history. Mm-hmm. I just know um, it's like the 60s is important for every generation. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in 2060. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we'll be 60 years old. I know, ew. <laughs> uh, so grand overview of the year 1963. Uh, you have President uh, John F. Kennedy and Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, During this year, you kind of have mm, Vietnam War kind of stuff ramping up a bit. You have 16,500 U.S. servicemen in Vietnam at this time, with 76 soldiers being killed in this year alone. Um, And 1963 also uh, had many large advancements in the civil rights movement. So the majority of the uh, little points that I talk about have something to do with the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, There's some like weird moments where it's like, oh, this is the year that Dr. No came out from the James Bond <laughs> series or whatever. And I was like, that doesn't seem uh, very pertinent to our subject today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are some interesting ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start off with January 14th where George Wallace, a Democrat politician who is most known for his segregationist and populist views, becomes governor of Alabama. And in his inaugural speech, he declared, quote unquote, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's add him to our list. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He shows up a little bit later as well in the storyline. Mm-hmm. I think the name sounds familiar. He's the one that flipped everything, right? We can probably talk about it later. <laughs> flipped everything. Like from like the like the Democrats were the like the more right wing populist party, and then like it flipped at, at some point. Or was oh. it just that one guy was just a douche? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It was interesting how. Well, I read up about him a little bit and he was, yeah, so he was like the governor who had 
been in or had his seat for the longest time mm. or not consecutively because uh, I think he was governor for a term and then he wasn't and then he was again and then it just kept happening so he was governor for like 5,000 whatever days mm-hmm. um, which is strange because he's just as you said a douche <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, my words, I stand by them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we jumped to April 3rd and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference volunteers kick off the Birmingham campaign against racial segregation with a sit-in. So the Birmingham campaign was a movement organized by, you know, the SCLC in order to bring attention to the integration efforts of African-Americans in Birmingham, Alabama. The nonviolent campaign was led by Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend James Bevel, and Minister Fred Shuttlesworth, as well as many others, and led to many confrontations between Black students and white civic authorities, but eventually resulted in changes in the city's discrimination laws. Birmingham was described by MLK as the most segregated city in the country. So, Maybe like a week and a bit later, on April 12th, Martin Luther King, uh, as well as civil rights activist and Baptist minister Ralph Abernathy and Fred Shuttlesworth, uh, as well as others, were arrested during a Birmingham protest for, quote unquote, parading without a permit. So I guess you have to like register yourself mm-hmm. for if you're going to do a, a march, mm-hmm. which... Seems kind of hmm. yeah, registered to protest. <laughs> yeah. Um, April 16th, Martin Luther King Jr. issues his letter from Birmingham jail, an open letter where he explains that people have a moral responsibility to break unjust laws and to take direct action rather than waiting potentially forever for justice to come through the courts. Uh, four days later on April 20th, Martin Luther King Jr. posts bail and begins to plan more demonstrations, uh, such and such the Children's Crusade, which lasted from May 2nd to 3rd. So on May 2nd, thousands of African-Americans, many of them children, were arrested while protesting segregation in Birmingham, Alabama, as part of the Birmingham campaign. Uh, Public Safety Commissioner Eugene Bull Connor Uh, later unleashes fire hoses and police dogs on the demonstrators. You can actually see a lot of like photos from these encounters Mm. uh, online and they're just terrifying. Yeah. Um, You have like one photo and there's a police dog about to bite like a teen. Mm -hmm. And I know this is probably from a different, like this is probably a precursor to this, but the, um, the photo that comes to mind when I think of this time period, it's like the, the um the segregated schools and there's this girl getting escorted by police away from the school yeah yeah like the um the people have these signs with these hateful things and like the people on the other side they're like telling her to go ahead i'm like oh my god like just basic human rights like (laughs) yeah uh, that that comes up a bit here i don't know exactly when that particular incident took mm -hmm. place or big event um, yeah. But there is something like it that happened uh, in 1963. Yeah. Um, so overall, the Birmingham campaign was a model of nonviolent direct action protest. And through the media, it drew the world's attention to racial segregation in the South. Uh, it boosted King's reputation and ousted uh, 
Eugene Bull Connor from his job and forced desegregation in Birmingham, though it was the movement was criticized by Malcolm X for exposing children to violence and putting them in harm's way. Uh, have you seen the Malcolm X film by Spike Lee? Uh, no, I don't think so. We watched it for the United States history in film course that I took last semester. And oh my goodness, it's a long movie. It's like over three hours. Oof. Which, uh, I mean, it's hard to fit so much in a movie though when it's like a biography. Yeah. But some things need to be a bit more concise to keep people's attention. Yeah. Um, so on June 11th, Alabama governor, oh, here's the, the dude, uh, mm-hmm. George Wallace, stands in the door of the University of Alabama to pr- protest against integration. Wallace blocked the enrollment of two African-American students, Vivian Malone and James Hood, despite an order of the federal court. Uh, George Wallace appointed himself the temporary university registrar and stood in the doorway of the administration building to prevent the students from registering. In response, President Kennedy federalized the Alabama National Guard and 100 guardsmen escorted the students to campus and their commander, General Henry Graham, ordered George Wallace to step aside. Thus, the students were were able to be registered. Uh, That same day, President John F. Kennedy delivers a historic civil rights address in which he promises a civil rights bill and asks for the kind of quality, or sorry, the kind of equality of treatment that we would want for ourselves. Uh, The bill that he submitted to Congress was ultimately passed as the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited racial discrimination in hiring practices and public services throughout the United States. So on June 12th, Uh, The American civil rights activist and World War II veteran Medgar Evers is assassinated in Jackson, Mississippi. His killer, Byron de la Beckwith, a member of the White Citizens Council, is convicted in 1994 after the all-white juries failed to reach a verdict in his first two trials during the 60s. 1994? Yeah. Oh my god. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Who recently got convicted? That was a while. Um, well, we had previously talked about that uh, that Nazi collaborator guy. Right, yeah, yeah. Who had gotten convicted like 60 years later, but then died after like two years in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have another instance of this coming up in mm. a little bit. Um, so June 23rd, uh, the Detroit Walk... Uh, sorry. On June 23rd, the Detroit Walk to Freedom occurs in Detroit, drawing a crowd of roughly 125,000 people. Uh, it was the largest civil rights demonstration in the nation's history up to that date. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. gave the precursor to his I Have a Dream speech, which mm. occurred uh, a couple months later on August 28th, so delivers the I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial to an audience of at least 250,000 mm. during the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. So I think I, I read an article that said, like, you know, a lot of people kind of forget about the Detroit Walk to Freedom because uh, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom was a lot bigger. Yeah. And uh, is remembered a, a lot more because of the I Have a Dream speech. Yeah, for sure. 
but it's it's important to know that there was another one. Um, September 15th, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. An explosion struck the 16th Street Baptist Church, killing four girls and injuring 22 others. The horrific act rallied public support to the cause of civil rights. Four members, or sorry, shoot, um, four men, members of a Ku Klux Klan group, were responsible for planting a box full of 19 sticks of dynamite attached to a timing device under the steps of the church. Um, although the FBI had concluded in 1965 that the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing had been committed by four known Klansmen and segregationists, their names being Thomas Edwin Blanton Jr., Herman Frank Cash, Robert Edward Ch Chambliss, and Bobby Frank Cherry, no prosecutions were conducted until 1977, when Robert Chambliss was tried and convicted of the first-degree murder of one of the victims, 11-year-old Carol Denise McNair. In a revival of effort by states and the federal government to prosecute cold cases from the civil rights era, the state conducted trials in the early 21st century of Thomas Edwin Blanton Jr. and Bobby Cherry, who were each convicted of four counts of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment in 2001 and 2002, respectively. Uh, future United States Senator Doug Jones successfully prosecuted Blanton and Cherry. Herman, and Ca or Herman Cash had died in 1994 and was never charged with his alleged involvement in the bombing. That's awful. Like, go Doug Jones. We miss you. <laughs> Who's that again? Um, he was like it was like an upset um, victory because like the guy that um, he was like the Republican he was running against was like super like stymied to controversy. There was so much like I think there was just stuff that was like we probably shouldn't say the podcast. Um, so all the people were like, I want to vote for the Republican, but he's like a really bad guy. So they voted for the um, they voted for Doug Jones, and he was he was in, in Congress from I think um 2017 until 2021 when he lost to the uh Tommy Tuberville I think okay um but I think it was expected that he was gonna lose um his seat it's kind of like the like he'll be there for a little while but then he'll just get kicked out oh. but yeah I didn't know he was a prosecu prosecutor in or maybe he was just a state senator I'm not sure um uh. you worked as a, or after law school, he worked as a con congressional staffer and as a federal prosecutor before moving to private practice. Um, in 1997, okay. President Bill Clinton appointed Jones as U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Alabama. His mm -hmm. most prominent cases were the successful prosecution of two Ku Klux Klan members uh, and the indictment of domestic terrorist Eric Rudolph. Yeah. It's important to use words like domestic terrorists and stuff because then it does like it gives a name like it's if you name it like it'll start making sense to the people that aren't paying attention. Yeah. So, like when, when as soon as you declare like the Proud Boys a like a terrorist group, then people are like oh like oh yeah they are like. But anyways, that's a whole other. Please do your research on the groups that are being the loudest. <laughs> They're being what, sorry? The loudest. Ah. Yeah. I need to sneeze really badly. Oh. And I can't. 
And I just smudged my glasses. That's wonderful. Oh. <sighs> um, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. Uh, water break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So the four girls who were killed were Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Carol Denise McNair. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that in elementary school, like, did you guys ever do the reading link challenge? Sorry? The reading link challenge? Um, was that the one where you all, like, we have a bunch of books you have to read and then you do the... Um, like a trivia thing. Kind of. And then if you read enough books, you get to go to a pizza party or something. Maybe this is a different thing. No, I think <laughs> yeah. that's different. Yeah. Um, yeah, the reading like challenge is where like you get a bunch of kids together and they form their teams and then there's a specific like six books that you have to read and then there are questions asked about mm-hmm. each of them. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. I forget which book or what the book is called, but I remember that was the first time that I had heard about this uh, like terrorist uh terrorist event or incident um because it was at the very end of one of the books like the whole like book had been kind of like oh this is just like a family and they're going on a road trip or whatever and these are some of the stuff that they got up to like the oldest brother getting his tongue stuck to a uh a pole during winter time and then the mom having to come out with her hair dryer uh anywho and then just it there was a sudden like tonal shift where the kid's little sister was at the Birmingham church when it happened mm-hmm. and I forget how it ends but it was just kind of like it was a drastic tonal shift mm-hmm. and it like scared the crap out of us because we were only like 10 but like it was necessary that we knew yeah for sure yeah I saw a quote the other day where it was like if kids as young as like six and seven uh uh what is it like are experiencing racism and stuff then kids that are six and seven should be able to learn about racism yeah for sure and stuff I can't I can't remember the exact quote but um yeah it's um yeah it's a conversation about like how much you tell kids I'm like well if they see it if they can look on the TV and see it, then it's important for them to know. Yeah. Like, don't turn them away, then turn them into the bigots that did this act. Because, like, a lot of, like, a lot of bigotry is just not knowing anything. Like, not having not having been educated on what to do and not to do. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it isn't all of the people to educate them. It's not your responsibility to educate people like that. But, like, exposure is so important like exposure to different communities and stuff like that yeah different cultures different languages yeah that um this is getting quite deep yeah (laughs) uh, Yeah. anyways (laughs) let's continue on uh so october 8th uh sam cook and hit wait i messed up there uh october 8th sam cook and his band are arrested for trying to register at a whites only motel in louisiana in the months following, he records A Change Is Gonna Come. That's actually one of the first songs that I ever heard of his, and it got me interested in listening to his music, and I would say that he's one of my favorite musicians right now. 
Yeah. Or he has been for a while, I'd say. Um, which he also has a really tragic story. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a documentary about it, I think, on Netflix. Mm. Um, October 22nd, Chicago Public Schools boycott was a mass boycott and demonstration against the segregationist policies of the Chicago Public Schools. Uh, More than 200,000 students stayed out of school and tens of thousands of Chicagoans joined in a protest that culminated in a march to the office of the Chicago Board of Education. The protest preceded the larger New York City public school boycott, also known as Freedom Day. So November 2nd to 4th was the 1963 Freedom Ballot, which was the mock election organized to protest and combat the systematic disenfranchisement of Black individuals in Mississippi. Um, November 10th, Malcolm X makes his message to the grassroots speech in Detroit, where he criticized the March on Washington. And probably one of the biggest events of 1963 uh, occurred November 22nd, where John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, so in Dallas, John F. Kennedy is shot to death, uh, as well as Texas Governor John B. Connolly is seriously wounded, and Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson becomes the, the 36th President of the United States. All television coverage for the next three days is devoted to the assassination, its aftermath, the procession of the horse-drawn casket to the Capitol Rotunda, and the funeral of President Kennedy. Stores and businesses shut down for the entire weekend and Monday in tribute. I remember talking to my art teacher because she was alive at the time, Mm -hmm. or she was like a primary school kid, and she just remembers like, oh, getting the day off school, yeah, and then coming home and her mom was just distraught. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, um, it's kind of touched on the show, but like JFK was like this symbol of hope like for so many people because like he was he like he was I don't know if he was the first president to speak out about like civil rights movement but he was he was the loudest president about it like he was I don't know like do you know what I mean like he was yeah well because he he was doing the work that always should have been done but like because he did do that um that address after one of the protest events where he said like hey this is my stance on civil rights Mm -hmm. and everyone should be treated how you would want to be treated or you should Mm -hmm. treat others how you want to be treated and uh which led to the 1964 civil rights act yeah so he is like a symbol of the movement but also, like, he's not the only symbol. It's also Malcolm X and um, Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Reverend John Lewis and, like, other leaders like that. And, like, it's it was... Senator? Uh, no, he was just... Well, he's a representative. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, so uh, John Lewis, like, he just passed last year. Um, so it's good to know that, like, these people are still around that have been in these movements like the movement isn't the photos are in black and white but they're also available in color you'll you're able to see like photos from this time period in color yeah so one thing that the media always does is like they put them in like black and white so it makes it seem like it was so long ago like it was like less it was like 60 years ago Mm -hmm. so like don't forget that this is still very recent there are people living this experience 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Like, I wouldn't say that the civil rights movement is over. Yeah, no, it'll, yeah. Like it's yeah. still going. Yeah. Because as we've seen in the news, like, ever since then, that the, like, issue of yeah. equality and stuff, it just hasn't been fixed. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's all I got. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um. Yeah, so the characters of the show, uh, I just broke down the five or uh, six, six uh, characters. Um, so Caroline Thibodeau, 39-year-old African-American maid for the Gelmans, a middle-class Jewish family. Uh, Noma Gelman, the Gelmans' eight-year-old curious, sympathetic, and neurotic son. Uh, Emmy Thibodeau, Caroline's 16-year-old free-spirited daughter, supporter of Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement. Rose Stoptick Gelman, uh, Noah's concerned a new stepmother from New York City, Mary Stewart for after his first wife's death, uh, Stewart Gelman, a professional clarinet player and Noah's father, mourning the loss of his wife, and Donnie Moffat is a friend of Caroline and fellow maid and takes night classes at the university. Um, and there are other characters. There is, um, you know, the washing machine, the radio, the dryer, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the moon and the bus. So... Um, just a little bit about that is that there is a lot of magical realism in the show um, because if there wasn't it would just be a very family drama which is it's fun but it'd be nice to have like this like foot out the door where you get to like see like a Greek chorus playing the radio or like this like opera soprano playing the moon or like this like diva playing the washing machine um, so yeah, it really helps move the story along with like little anecdotes in between. So it's like not so much like, oh, like heavy stuff is better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you... yeah. Sorry. No um, worries. There's like even the presence of some of these like magical objects or like personifications of like the bus and the moon and stuff. Some of them are kind of like, oh, is this the the bad guy? Because when the bus <laughs> comes around, like, and the mood kind of shifts when he comes, like, bearing news of the Kennedys assassination. Mm. Like, I was like, oh, God. I know. Yeah. Like, that's that part of the show, like, when he's just, he's driving and he's like, what is he doing? Like, why is he so, like, scary? And then you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, I didn't understand that it was a bus at first yeah i was yeah. like what's what's he pulling behind him yeah like um i actually didn't i didn't watch the full bootleg but i actually saw the show in february last year um oh. uh, as part of a field trip it was the last show we saw as um our program so it was really good and um it had like julie black and vanessa sears um vanessa sears is an alumni from sheridan that we uh saw on the show oh, okay that's cool yeah. yeah so it was really and we saw her and billy Elliot. she played billy's mom um at stratford um, and Julie Black, we also saw at a different show. Um, uh, what was it? It was like a Prince Stevie Wonder tribute concert. It was like kind of like a stage concert where there was also like, there was like the character, like somebody playing Billy Joel's, not Billy Joel, sorry. Um, <laughs> Billy Joel was there too. Um, somebody playing um, Prince and somebody, somebody playing Stevie Wonder. And then like there were other um, singers in between singing their songs while the other people tell the story. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I saw the show. It's been a little while, but it was really, I remember just being so impacted by it. And it's just so beautiful, like the music and the stage. Mm-hmm. So I guess you watched the bootleg? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to come over here. I've watched them too. Um, yeah. I watched um, parts of it. I watched the, um, the only songs I watched were I Hate the Bus, because that's my favorite song on the show. 
um, and the uh, the finale. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched. Uh, I'd I'd say three quarters. Yeah. Of it, and then I had to move on to some other uh, schoolwork stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, one of the things I had an issue with was just some of the songs. Yeah. Um, it's just kind I'm of like even, some of the rose stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. I was just confused as to why some things were brought up. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> um, there's this one thing where it's like just some very blunt moments where like, oh, you shouldn't sleep with a light, and your mother is dead yeah i didn't understand this is very blunt yeah for sure i was like is this necessary to have this added Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it just didn't seem very concise Mm. um so the creators for the show um so the book and lyrics are are by tony kushner and the music is by janine tesori so uh tony kushner is an american playwright author and screenwriter Kushner was born in Manhattan, New York in 1956 to Jewish parents who were descended from Russian and Polish immigrants. In 1978, he received his Bachelor of Arts in Medieval Studies from Columbia University, um, later attending NYU Tisch School of Arts, graduating in 1984. That'd be so much fun to study, like Medieval Studies. I'm sure, I'm sure on paper it looks interesting, but as soon as you're into it, you're like, why did I study this? Like, like I'm sure... It, like the the battles and like the princes and princesses seems really interesting but then as soon as you get into like the I don't know the monarchy <laughs> and like the bureaucracy of, of it all I'm like oh no I can't deal with this <laughs> which is actually like I'm signing up for a class where it's like the British monarchy from 1600s onward oh wow <laughs> stuff, which I get isn't really medieval but uh yeah I don't know it's just some of those like Oh, they killed him for what? Like, <laughs> for no reason. For no reason. And it's so hard because a lot of that is a lot of the stuff that is like isn't recorded, like isn't like written down. Like, yeah, he was killed for such and such reason. What? What was the reason? I don't know. Make make it up yourself. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. like, why did this guy die? Oh, he he crossed the road and caught <laughs> like, or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Tony Kushner is best known for a seven-hour epic play, Angels in America. Um, it's that long? I know. It, well, it's two parts. It's two parts that are two acts each. So, um, which is also still long, but yeah. Um, which <laughs> Kushner adapted for an HBO... Uh, he also, uh, Angels in America was, was adapted for an HBO series that he wrote the screenplay for. Um, over the course of both properties, Kushner won the Tony for best play for both halves, um, primetime Emmy for for the best miniseries and the Pulitzer Prize for drama. Um, I have to watch that at some point. It's like I've seen people like rave about it. Like they had a revival recently with uh, oh Spider Man, Andrew Garfield. Um, Andrew Garfield and Lee Pace. Yeah. Oh Lee Pace. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a Ronin in Mar- in Marvel movies. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he doesn't look great there, but yeah, like, yeah, just covered in blue makeup, but yeah. Um. um you should watch Pushing Daisies. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Um, other works for Kushner include Carolina Chained, the book, as well as uh, collaborations with Steven Spielberg on Lincoln and the upcoming West Side Story huh. um, with uh, Rachel Zegler and uh, Ansel Elgort is playing Tony. Yeah. I feel like they could have picked someone else. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
yeah it's it seems weird because it, it looks like like obviously it's cool to have like a remade like revival movie mm-hmm. i'm like what's new about it because it looks like the exact same but just like better graphics yeah i would say the cinematography is a lot better but yeah at the same time like you couldn't have picked some people who are more like trained yeah like rachel ziegler like i mean the thing is they did like a nationwide search for the new maria and rachel ziegler she's like younger than us she was just like she just submitted a video to the like the casting agents and she was just some some girl from a high school in the states and they like they found her and they took with her so that i found that cool but i'm like could they yeah. have done the same thing for tony or like found like a, a new up-and-comer yeah i'm fine with her because like she's like age appropriate and oh, she's so talented yeah she's really talented and then yeah. you just stick her with like some like <laughs> mid to late 20s yeah guy who's although i do love baby driver yeah that's the only exception for me um <laughs> yeah but... i actually i haven't watched i read um the fault in our stars but i haven't, I haven't watched it i have i was like we last uh experience at a landmark theater was seeing that oh yeah <laughs> um and oh if we want to get on the topic of age-appropriate casting um i don't think we've talked about this yet but the um Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like Ben Platt is so talented. I'm so happy he's like able to like get more exposure. But I'm like, Ben Platt, like, you're like, like even even when you were like on Broadway in Dear Evan Hansen, you were only looking a bit like, yeah. Um, like I really I think they could have gone with like the same thing they did with um Andrew Barth Feldman. Like he was just some kid that was in the uh jimmy's like the the high school tonys of the states um Mm -hmm. and they found him and they put him on broadway because he was just that good um and i'm like could they have not done that like another nation by search or even put andrew in there like he still looks like a teenager because he is a teenager (laughs) (laughs) like i just feel like putting a 37 year old i'm sure he's like 30 or something but like like ben platt has already had such a career like that's the thing with like these new adaptations it's like yes you can give like you can throw Meryl Streep in there, but also like maybe some other people that don't have as much like legs behind them, but are still talented. He's twenty seven. Okay. Um, but like someone had brought up the fact that he like he was, oh, how old was he? He was like college age for Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Ish, I guess. And <laughs> he then said, it's a little like cute looking like the photos of him from earlier. Like he's such a baby in the earlier photos. Yeah. But now he's like much older and playing someone much younger. Mm-hmm. And it's like Yeah. Mm. Um have and you seen then... clips of him in uh Book of Mormon? No, I kind of stay away from that one. I've heard some weird things about it. It is, yeah, it is like it's it's funny, but I also understand why it's funny and why it shouldn't be funny. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like, it's written by two white guys that did, like, that are known for South Park, which is also kind of controversial in itself. Um, yep. But, yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. Ben Platt, I'm happy you're there. You're really talented, but, like, maybe go for some older roles later on. Um yep. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, Kushner receives the National Medal of Arts from President Barack Obama in 2013. Ooh. Yeah. 
um, then Janine Tesori. We covered her on our Fun Home episode, but let's go through quickly. Um, uh, Janine Tesori is an American composer. Composter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Janine, she composts. Yeah. Janine Tesori is an American composer and a music arranger. Uh, her Broadway debut was, it was How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. She wrote the dance music arrangements for that. Um, she wrote Violet in 1997, but it didn't quite get produced on Broadway yet. Um, uh, in, 2000, in, uh, in 2000, she joined forces with Dick Scanlon to write 11 new songs for the Broadway production of Thriller and Modern Millie, which gave her her first Tony nomination. Um, 2004, she collaborated with Tony Kushner to write the music for the sung through musical Carolina Change, earning her second Tony nomination. In 2008, uh, she provided the music for Shrek Musical, getting a third Tony nomination. Uh, in 2011, she wrote the music for Fun Home after a few years of development in Uptown Tryouts. Namely, Yuli, Florida, and the Public Theater of Broadway. Fun Home premiered on Broadway on March 27th and 2015 and opened on April 19th, 2015. This show received a wide critical acclaim, earning Tony, uh, earning to sorry her first Tony win, the first time ever that an all-female team had won the, best, the Tony for Best Original Score. Um, her next musical was Soft Power with book and lyrics by David Henry Huang, uh, which premiered off-Broadway on September 14th, 2019. Over the course of her career, she's been nominated for four Tonys, winning one for Fun Home. She's also been a finalist for the Pulse for Prize for Drama twice for Fun Home and Soft Power. Soft Power, Soft Power becoming the first off-Broadway musical to be nominated concurrently with A Strange Loop, which won. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, cover, we'll be covering Soft Power, I think. That's later in the summer, right? That's. It might uh, be November. November, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, yeah, we're in election season, yeah. Um, election season. It's about, it's about Hillary Clinton, kind of. It's kind of. It's very like metaphorical, but soft yeah. power is. I think so. That's the one about like the. Um, I thought it was about like Chinese immigrants coming to America. It, it is, but it's also like also telling the story of Hillary Clinton as well. But it's it's a whole thing. What? Um. Yeah. So partly based on Huang's life. Um particularly an event from 2015, which where he was stabbed in the neck. The play uh, with the Beast Hole uh, features a fever dream with the, with a, a Chinese businessman, Shui, Shui, Shui Xing, who travels to America for work. There he meets and becomes close to Hillary Clinton. Um, oh. Actually, I don't know how historical it is, but it also does, it plays into like, um, like cultural appropriation. It's kind of like flips the script where it's all Asian actors playing Hillary Clinton um, and other like typically white roles. Okay. Um, we can discuss it at a later date, but I think it also like goes into the. Um, yeah, it plays off like how like the King and I is very stereotypical, and there weren't even all white actors and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, sorry, even all white, all Asian actors. Um, there were all white actors. Um, That's like Yul Brynner playing Ugh, the king well, of Siam. Do we have that one coming up soon? I think we do. I, I don't think so, actually. Okay. Um, I might have put that one off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can uh, talk about stuff far later on. Um, so the cast of notes. Uh, Tanya Pinkins was born in Chicago, Illinois. While at Carnegie Mellon University, she was cast in Merrily Re- 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 Broadway, 
uh, so she left, but later returned to, to Columbia College in Chicago for creative writing. Uh, Broadway credits include The Wild Party, A Time to Kill, and House of Flowers. She won a Tony for her performance in Jelly's Last Jam. Uh, screen credits include Enchanted, As the World Turns, and All My Children. Well, who is she in Enchanted? Uh, you know the couple that's getting divorced? Uh... Like, you know how, like, like so, um, the, uh, McDreamy is the, he is a divorce lawyer. So... Oh. Oh. Yeah, and then she goes. I've seen it. Yeah, then um, oh, what's her name? Amy Adams goes up to her. She's like, "I love your hair," and then like she gets them to fall back in love, <laughs> and oh, okay. like she's like, "Here's them." Like, why are you like? What's happening? And he's in like McStreamy's like they're divorcing, and she just starts crying because they're getting oh. divorced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I remember it now. Yeah. Uh, in 2004, uh, Pinkins appeared in Carolina Change on Broadway and was nominated for the Tony for Best Actress. Uh, but this year was not great for the Tonys for them because it was also against Wicked and Avenue Q and uh, the George Michael musical, which did not do well. No, not yeah. George Michael, uh, Boy George. <laughs> different different people. Um, uh, and then Anna Condoni Rose is an American actress and singer. Her, no- her notable roles include Tiana in The Princess of the Frog, uh, Emmy Thibodeau in Carolina Change, and Laurel Robinson in Dreamgirls. Um, and she became a Disney legend in 2011. Um, and she got a to- she won the Tony for Best uh, Featured Actress for Carolina Change. Uh-huh. Uh, she played the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, of everyone's voice, I really liked hers the best. Yeah. Did you see I Hate the Bus? Um, it's the one after the dinner party when they're like they've had like altercation ooh, and she's like I don't I don't think I went that far. Oh, okay, no I, worries. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's I mean we can get into favorite songs now. That's my favorite song. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just like she's talking about how she wants to be independent and she wants to have her own life. She's like, I hate the bus. I want my own car, a car with a heater. I want a radio and more. I think I'm butchering the lyrics, but like. She's just asking for simple things that she probably won't get because she's this like young black girl in the 1960s. Yeah. But she's also like a freedom fighter. Like she is, um, like from what you saw so far, she's talking about like the Confederate soldier, how they cut off his head. And like at the end of the show, she confesses that she's the one that she did that did it. And she's like, I'd do it again. Like we shouldn't be celebrating these people, which is very topical for her today. Um, <laughs> did you hear about the. Um, like- that John A. McDonald statue that got beheaded. Yeah, and they um and, the Ryerson statue as well. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the uh and then Canada Post came out with a a topical uh stamp. Yeah. <laughs> which had the 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 head on it and then everyone was like, Oh my god, I can't believe you did that and then they had to like say, Oops, sorry. But now it's like a collector's item. Yeah. People just need to like yes it's history but also like there's a lot of things in our history that we don't celebrate and th- that should be added on but yeah i remember like so little soapbox here for me um <laughs> so victoria recently canceled their virtual canada Day celebration which i don't know how many people are gonna watch it like maybe a handful of people but because it was canceled people like they're canceling canada day um I don't know, so American listeners um, recently 
Canada has had a history of being awful to indigenous peoples and we not need to, just recently not recently sorry um like in forever since since the same colonizers that colonized your country colonized ours um um like when they like so they've always had a history of like colonization and ruining the land and that kind of awful things um we created a thing called residential schools which is school is a very loose term um i think they had them in the states as well yeah there was one in pennsylvania where they found bodies as well uh recently i think it's like 100 people um uh but yeah so recently in kamloops which is close to us um they found an unmarked grave or marked grave the church isn't releasing the records whole other thing um of 215 children um from ages like three to like 18 i think like pretty like to get up there in age um so like there's this whole like reckoning conversation around like indigenous peoples and what it means to be canadian and that kind of thing um so victoria canceled their like their like city sanctioned um like virtual event which is just going to be a broadcast um okay all of you people that are like arguing for like arguing for history and that kind of thing on Canada Day how many of you go to like go to your friend's backyard and sit around and talk about confederation and colonization like how often is Canada the topic of conversation like if you're so important if like if the history is so important to you great tell me the first five prime ministers like like it's never about history like and that's a whole other conversation but like do you know what i mean yeah it's just <sighs> like people don't really care about the history until they're like hey this is wrong and they're like oh it's our history yeah until you realize that it was your family that did it i'm like out of all the out of all the um government responses they've all been pretty pretty standard government but um um but like Dr. Henry, our public health officer, I think hers was probably the best that I heard, um, because she was like, "Yes, it was our, it was our, it was our history, but it's also our present, which is still going on, and we have to take the onus on us." Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, we're having a really heavy day today. Hi. Hey. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, how do we even get here? Jeez. Um. um... Confederates. Uh, oh, Confederate soldiers. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know where to go from here. Um, do you have a Do you have a favorite song? Um, I really liked uh, the dryer, and I got four kids. Mm. I just really liked hearing the dryer's voice because he is he's <laughs> a very nice voice. It reminded me so much of um, Hades and Hades Town. <laughs> Because yeah. he is, he sings with except like a bass, like a baritone voice. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I really like the, um, actually, I have a least favorite song. Mm -hmm. And it's the, what is, where is her name? Rose Stopnik. Yeah, Rose Stopnik uh, Gilman. Oh, Rose Stopnik can cook. Yeah. Yeah. This is, mm, I wasn't the biggest fan of her voice. Yeah. I think it just has to be like a character, her, like annoying character. Um, but she has her moments. She definitely comes around. Like she's um, 
you can tell like that's definitely more of an acted role like she is trying so hard to connect with Noah and to connect with um Caroline <laughs> Carolyn Caroline <laughs> um or is it what is the joke that they say like um she keeps on mispronouncing her name right I think so I did I just thought it was an accident that she did it and then oh no no, no. I didn't a, know it was yeah. a pointed thing yeah it's a writing joke <laughs> okay um but yeah i'd say my favorite songs are probably um i hate the bus and uh the epilogue when um emmy's like yeah it was me and i'd do it again Mwahaha. <laughs> yeah um i think emmy had one of the best voices yeah Anakin she's Noni so good. Rose. yeah um oh i love like she's my favorite part of the princesses of Hogti. like her her songs are so good yeah i like the um, how the i'm almost there song has yeah. had a bit of a resurgence of like uh gen <laughs> x like being like oh i'm almost there i'm almost gonna like turn the wheel of my car into uncoming uncom- traffic we're we're gen z gen x is like our parents oh shoot sorry yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if gen x is on tiktok um but yeah I, I don't you mean like the like how close are you to snapping i'm almost, almost there. there yeah <laughs> yeah i think i'm crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's, I love tiktok so much it's just so funny how, how creative people are on there yeah i remember we used to make fun of it but now it's like it speaks to us as a generation <laughs> if, if we didn't have to talk over like quarantine i don't know where we'd be <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. yeah uh is there anything else we want to talk about Mm, I really like the joke where it's like oh god made everything oh did god make the dryer no the devil made the dryer (laughs) (laughs) there's some like jokes that I didn't quite understand Mm -hmm. um I don't know Mm -hmm. uh, I I like how mundane the show is like it's about this like simple thing but they really just blow it out of proportion with like the magical realism and the um and like the, do you know what I mean? Um, like if it's just a story about the um, the Gelman family and um, Carolyn who works for them and the family dinner and that kind of thing, like this would be kind of, it'll be interesting. But having the other types of songs coming in, like the spirituals and the blues and Motown songs, like in between, mm-hmm. um, like driving the narrative with the, um. Like if you think about it, so it's like the like the upper middle class Jewish family and the like the African American woman that works for the, for them. So mm-hmm. you'd think it'd be mostly about the Jewish family because they're the people of power. So and there is like klezmer and folk music in there, but like as soon as she comes in with her and her um like her her imagination with the other songs, it really just it arguably the best songs on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not like a white savior movie. Yeah, for sure. Something like that. Which, uh, yeah. like, you can compare it to uh, The Help mm-hmm. in some ways, but yeah, this one is superior in that respect. I remember one thing that really stuck out to me was the um, the relationship between Caroline and Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way he wants to connect with her, and she just kind of pushed him away, but she also kind of keeps her around. Um, yeah. and, at the, and at the end of the show um, it kind of gets into like a 
I don't know about the metaphor or if I'm just not, don't understand it, but like um, somebody singing, I think it's the Muda singing and, um, or is it the dryer? Not the dryer, the, uh, I think it's the washing machine singing. Um, that's so weird. <laughs> it's in the mood of the washing machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like one of them is singing and they're just having a conversation, but Noah's in his bedroom and Caroline's at the bus stop. So I know if it's just a conversation that probably would have happened like in their own head or if it's just a closure that they're making for themselves. Um, mm. But I find that like they are connected even when they're apart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's a really good show. It's really well crafted and it's really nuanced and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And there is, um, oh yeah, there, there is a current Broadway production running. Uh, it started back in October 8th, the previews, and October 27th on uh, opening. It's exciting to have like new dates set for these things and not just be like, well, things are still closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the original Broadway production, there were six Tony nominations, um, musical, book of musical, original score, leading actress, featured actress, and direction. Uh, and uh, featured actress one for uh, Annika Noni Rose. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else we're talking about? Uh, I don't really have anything else. Yeah, me either. Um, yeah, so we'll, uh, thank you guys for listening to episode number 27 of History of the Spotlight. Uh, 27 already. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at History of the Spotlight. You can find us on Twitter at History in the SP1. You can email us at History of the Spotlight at gmail.com. Email us all of your opinions, your thoughts. Did you like the show? Did you not like the show? Any, uh, any shows we should do? Any uh, backstage stories or theater fails? Email them all to us and we can read them on the show. Um, also, we have a Redbubble now. Um, so you can order basically anything that Redbubble offers with our logo on it. Uh, so you can get a shirt or a postcard or a magnet or stickers, I think. There's just a yeah. plethora of things on there. Yeah, we don't really get any money from it, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> there is, yeah. It's just cool to have your logo on things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, um, uh, Max's shirt is in the mail. Oh, yay. <laughs> Should be coming to you pretty soon, I think. Okay. Um, um, when did it say? It said estimated delivery 23rd or the 25th of June. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, do you, what show is next week? <laughs> it is Hamilton part one. Oh no. Oh my God. <laughs> We're here already. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, maybe we'll push it to a date for recording then because I didn't realize it was so soon. <laughs> Why? Oh. Well, no, because it's just a lot. It's a lot to deal with. I want to do it justice. Oh <laughs> well, no, yeah, but we have like part I have one. Enough, I have enough time to do it. It's okay. I can. I have enough time to <laughs> do it justice. Okay, we'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So thank you guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Goodbye.